today we bring you uh, all our irrelevant news uh, and opinions following a fascinating championship weekend. Um, firstly, a thank you to our, our hundreds of listeners worldwide, because this is now hundreds of listeners. So uh, for our Swedish fan, <laughs> hala, and uh, for our Ukrainian fans, zelasvutia, um, which both are hello for those wondering. Um, and uh, yeah, for anyone uh, from Sweden and Ukraine, apologies if I've murdered that. So, <clears throat> but let's start with the usual. We are, of course, on social media. We are on Twitter at Belichick's World. We're on the Facebook at Bill Belichick's World Podcast. And we're on, uh, of course, we have our website, BillBelichick'sWorld.com. Um, of course, yeah, we'd love to interact with you guys uh, uh, on those mediums, uh, of course, we'd also love. Uh, we're also on the iTunes, uh, as well as other uh, podcast. Uh, the iTunes, the iTunes, and the Facebook. You, you missed that one, I think. Yeah, um, but yeah. No, if, if you're listening, we'd uh, we, you know we'd love uh, we'd love some views. We've we got a couple recently, so yeah. But that's how we get noticed. So five star views keep us coming in. You don't even have to give us. Uh, uh, any we don't need any words. No, no. Just give us the stars. Just, just yeah. You can just say, uh, you know, just one word, great, or you know, doing on. I'm doing this under orders. You know, it's fine. Do it. Give it. We'll give you a shout out uh, as well if you if you do. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so we'll move on. And uh, yeah, but this week we have a we have a sponsor. Uh, Fourth and inches. Want to say a few words? This week, BBW is. Proudly brought to you by Henry and the Breeders' great new album, Looking Backwards. Available at www.western-star.co.uk. Thank you. Um, that fella at the cinema's got nothing to worry about yet, has he? I could go deeper. <laughs> no, you can't. That's why they call you fourth and inches. <laughs> to fair, inches, it's more than I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A great start as usual. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. Fair, fair, thanks for having me, the bleeders, for wanting to get involved. Um, so, uh, we're, 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 as usual, I'm here with uh, with Gilo. Good evening, guys. To Mike. Hello. And uh, we've had from fourth and inches. Hello. Uh, so, should we? Well, should we see who uh, who's in the Super Bowl? Do we have to? Well, let, let's start because uh, as far as predictions went. In our own sort of internal league, no one made any head, headway because we all got one each. Uh, so, Gary, well done on uh, winning the predictions league. Yep, so I think I, yeah, then would I get seven and three or something yeah. out of the game? So, not too bad, but the one I really wanted slipped away, which we'll come on to in a minute. Um, but yeah, look, you know, yeah. um, we'll come on to the Eagles game, but not many people picked that. So, yeah. No. Uh, so, first, first up, Jags 20, Patriots. 24 um, yeah uh, I was uh, away this weekend so I missed the games live I've only been catch up I've only caught up on highlights so I don't know if someone else wants to take a lead on this the evil empire is just marching on again it's, yeah. it's right back to where it belongs and it means another night of listening to abuse from you lot as I try and enjoy the Super Bowl. It makes it massively unenjoyable for me as I have to watch us try and win another one. Just saying. Oh, so awful, isn't it, having to win a Super Bowl? Oh, it's the worst. 
Look, you know, lots of teams have dynasties, and this Patriots one's been managed and you know um, coached well enough to go on for a bit longer than some of the others. But you know, um, there are people out there that get to experience this. You know, uh, maybe not in the time we've been watching yet, but obviously, you know, the Giants had a couple of wins in a pretty reasonably short space of time. Niners have obviously won like five Super Bowls, so. You know, we, we Steelers had two in three years. Yeah, it? Steelers had a bit of a run. So, you know, this does happen. Obviously, it's gone on for longer, um, and you know, there's lots of different reasons for that. But I think you know, when we look at the game, the game, you know, brings us lots of questions. At, at the end of the day, it was a another great playoff game to watch, full of you know that drama and intensity that you want from from the playoffs. So. Um, yeah, I think you know, most neutrals were supporting the Jags, especially over here in the UK. Not so much in the US, I don't think. I don't think the you know obviously the UK has some sort of affinity with the Jags. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But you see Twitter, and no one from the US seemed to really care that much. Actually, the, the feeling against the Patriots doesn't seem quite as large in oh, the yeah. US as it does in the UK. But maybe I'm wrong. But that's the feeling I got on social media. Um, so yeah, over to you, Griff. Well, I will say. I was surprised how few of us actually picked the Pats. I know Brady had a hand knack, but um, I was surprised how few of us picked the Patriots to win this because you know we had our Twitter poll, we had our own WhatsApp discussions, and uh, only me and Paul and De Mike actually picked the Pats to win this game, which seems strange when it comes to the championship game. You know, it's it's like the Germans at football. Why do you go against? The you know the guys who always win. Well, I only picked them because they're my team, and I felt terrible picking against them. I, if I was a neutral, I wouldn't have picked them. I don't think because I really thought this Jags defense was was too much to overcome. Uh, <clears throat> we haven't said in case you were weren't able to see it, like John. Uh, it was Jags twenty, Patriots twenty four. Yeah, I didn't say the score. Uh, did you? Sorry, score. Yeah. I didn't hear you. I don't really listen. I was making notes, more valuable notes for later. Okay. Um, but the key thing here was that the Jags actually held a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter and still squandered the game. And herein lies the problem. How do you have the second-best defence in the league and squander a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter? So, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So, um, I think it's four times or five times now where the number one ranked offence has played the number one ranked defence in the championship or in the playoffs and this is only the second time where the number one ranked offense has actually won the rest of the time the defense has come out on top and you know I think we'll go on to a a couple of reasons as to why I think obviously a lot of people are saying it's Bortles a lot of people have you know have been pushing that message for a couple of months at least that Bortles is the reason why this team doesn't win a Super Bowl and you can argue both ways I think you know we've got some stats that show reasons why it was him and, and reasons why it wasn't but you know Blake Balls completes 12 consecutive passes in a game only the third quarterbacks to do that in against the Pats in a postseason game so he played well and he went on a hell of a run just before half time don't leave out the important bit there that the other two are Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger which you know puts him in a bracket with those two yeah yep. And again, I'd also and he's doing it with much worse receivers. Yeah, I'd also like to point out the fact that he's played three playoff games now, and he hasn't thrown a pick, which is excellent. And this is the first time all year that the Jags lost a game in which Bortles did not throw a pick. So, I think it came down to to other things. My opinion is that Belichick and his coordinators do what Belichick does. 
He worked out the other team at half time, and this is what the Patriots have done year after year. They can lose a first half by ten points. That does not matter, and they believe that that doesn't matter as well. Um, and that defense that the, the Patriots brought out in the second half was was something different. So, I, I think that's what turned that game. That and the special team, because the special team was superb. Now I know that Mike, you said you listened to a, an ESPN podcast and they talked about you know how many you know three and outs there were from the Jags in the second half. But I'll need to look it up. But I don't know what the starting position was. But I don't think there was many times they started outside the twenty yard line, and that is very difficult when the opposition know that your main weapon is Leonard Fournette, who runs the ball, and you are backed up on your goal line. So you are always facing a problem with territory, and you're trying to protect a lead. It's a very difficult thing to do. If Balls had started spraying that ball around everywhere and got picked, he'd still be getting blamed. So I think it's um, you know you've got to give a lot of credit as much as I don't want to, to the Patriots, because they managed to change how that game was progressing at halftime. Okay, so I actually more or less agree with everything you've said. I don't see how you can pin this on Bortles. I think it comes more down to the lack of creativity on the Jags coaching staff. So in the first half, they ran the ball and it worked. And they ran the ball and it worked. And they just went back and forth, back and forth like that. And in the second half, they tried the same thing. And Matt Patricia and the defence had basically stacked eight men in the box at this point, And it didn't work. And they didn't trust Bortles enough to then air the ball out, even if it was bad field position. To do that, somebody like Brady or the Mannings or you know more trusted quarterbacks would have been allowed the opportunity to do that. Manning. Manning, sorry. Um so, I think, like you say, he hasn't thrown a pick in the postseason, right? But surely the coaching staff then have to allow him to try and air the ball. If, if you're, if you need two first downs to take all the time off the clock, and mean Brady doesn't get another shot, go for it. Don't don't suddenly play to not lose, which is what they did in the second half. They've yeah. got to play to win. It's a difficult one, you know. The Falcons kept airing the ball out. And everyone said they should have just run the ball and run the clock. I know they were further ahead. I get they were further ahead. And like, I honestly believed, I, I believe that the Jags had to be around 10 points ahead to have a chance. You, you've yeah. said all the way along, if they get 10 points ahead, They've teams got, shouldn't beat them. They shouldn't lose. Yeah, they shouldn't lose. And and they gave themselves a chance. And at the end of the day, Bortles did have a chance to drive them down the field and win the game, and he didn't do it. What a great piece of play by Stefan Gilmore, though. He, is, oh, yeah. he has not been my favourite player this season by a long way. But when he was needed at the end there, that was a great dive because he actually got the wrong side of the player. He got his feet mixed up and he managed to get himself sorted out and dive across and knock that ball away. And that was fantastic. It was Superb. the best thing he's done all season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it pains me to have to say that Blake Balls did nothing wrong. But he, he really didn't. He did nothing wrong at all. But if the play calling doesn't come in to say to him, you know, you got to throw this one on first. It was first down every time. Run, 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 run. Yep. Always. And we just knew what was going to happen. Well, then so he was left with second and eight, so it was going to be a pass. And then it was either another pass, because it was still third and eight, or it was a run, because it was third and two. And, you know, when you look at Bortles as well, you know, you look at the numbers, 23 out of 36, 293 yards. So that's an, an average of sort of 12, 13 yards per attempt. Yeah. Well, that's not like he's just throwing all of, you know, slant passes. It's, you know, there are some decent throws in there. Brady, 26 out of 38 for 290. So, 
it's, it's close. Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong. He did not lose them the game. Um, and, and that's where you have to give the credit to the coaching of the Patriots. The coaching of the Patriots. And that I think that know-how that they can come back. And, you know, some big players stepped up. So, you know, Amadola, two touchdowns after doing almost nothing all season. You know, Gronk out, he stepped up. Yeah, you look at the wide receivers from the Jags. Well, Fournette probably got almost as many receiving yards as the the wide receivers. Hearns, 80 yards. He played okay. Grant, 59 yards. That where Where is Bortles' receiving core? So we're not talking about an, a, an elite receiving core yeah. that he's passing to. Well, they, they lost Alan Robinson early in the year, didn't they? And that's a big blow. He, he is the lead receiver, and he makes things easier for Hearns. And then the two of them work very well. I can't, I can't see... Um, was it Marquise Lee on there? Even no. you know, he, what, what's he done? You know, Cole. You know, um, Mercedes uh, Lewis yeah, as well. He, you know, he got a touchdown, but again, he doesn't do anything. He's like he, the slowest. He's tight not in the a league. yardage receiver, though, is he? He's, he? he's been used as a massive weapon in the end zone this year, and we all have a massive weapon in the end zone. That's but, right. But I mean, fair play to him, though. He's the only player hung over on the Jag squad since their last playoff appearance in two thousand seven eight. But for me, this is where Bortles does come a little bit in for criticism. So one of the things I thought looking at this is there's a quote by Don Shula, which I really like. Sure, luck means a lot in football. Not having a bad, sorry, not having a good quarterback is bad luck. So Mercedes Lewis has been a good, an effective weapon, and everybody likes a good weapon in the box. I know that. But you look at Mercedes Lewis' stats for this game: one reception, four yards, one touchdown. Isn't it kind of? Football 101, that one of your one of your easiest kind of weapons is to check down and your your tight end. It's always good to have a tight end. And you have a look at... Bortles was airing the ball out to some extent. If I'm going purely on stats, and much like John, I was away for the weekend, I didn't catch the game, I've just been looking at stats and highlights. But you look at some of the longest, re- the longest receptions. Alan Hearns, 27 yards. Grant, 24. Marquise Lee, 18. Keelan Cole, 26. Westbrook, 29. Bahannon, 20. They were throwing it long, but I don't think they were throwing it effectively. And this is where it comes down. All right, I agree. It comes down to the coaching. But I also think it comes down to Bortles' intelligence and experience in the game. I shouldn't imagine he calls many plays from inside the huddle. And I think that's the difference. You put Brady in a two-minute situation and he just says, right, we're going to do this, this and this, and it will work. And everybody on the Patriots organisation thinks, yeah, we're going to win. doesn't matter that we're 10 points down with nine minutes to go. Whereas if Ball says that, you get the feeling there'd be some people questioning it. I don't even know if he gets the chance to call plays like that. I've never seen him looking as proactive as some of the other better quarterbacks. So... But again, that comes a lot comes down to coaching. They just didn't get it right in the second half. It, New England needed um, third and 18, right, on their penultimate drive. So the first touchdown to Amandola. One of the conversions was third and 18. New England have never completed a reception on third down of more than 15 yards in the postseason. And the Jags didn't defend the sticks. They went deep. And so they just allowed that reception. I mean, it was a great catch from Danny Amendola, who then went on to have an even better catch for the touchdown. But that's for for about 15 minutes, the Jags defence stopped playing hard football. Yeah. Uh, uh, After after half-time, you know, or that period, about 10 minutes into the third quarter, they just seemed to go a little bit soft. I'm not sure why. Um, but they, they weren't getting the rush off the edge. New England adjusted and stopped them rushing off the edge. There was the great sack down the middle. I think it was from Miles Jack 
when he just came through the middle of the line. But that's because the Patriots were concentrating on stopping the players coming in off the edge. And effectively, that really slowed the Jags down. They, they sort of didn't have the timing. So Brady only got sacked once after they made the change, I think. And really, I, I thought if they get to Brady three or more times, there's no way they lose this, especially with a 10-point lead. And still, somehow, he marches down the field twice in nine minutes and yep. scores twice think, with no gronk. I think we um, we do have to, you know, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes because I know it will feel like that to every Patriot fan out there. Um, and it's not intended to, but it's something we've touched on a number of seasons and accused of the fact that we we haven't. And, and that is that there are some questions around officiating. And there are some issues because that fumble that he recovered cleanly, definitely cleanly, was blown dead way too quickly, and that potentially could have been a field goal. Now, I don't think that wins the game for the Jags, because that was still only put on one point behind. But I do think, I watched the game, you know, and I know you did as well, Griff, but, you know, there was that that one uh, call on, was it, I'm sure it was on Ramsey, that was, that was never pass interference. And the problem with pass interference penalties, and I'm sure the league need to look at this a little bit, is that this idea that the penalty is at the spot of the foul all the time. You're getting quarterbacks launching desperately hopeful passes. That ball wasn't even catchable, let alone it being pass interference. And then it's causing teams to get 40-yard penalties. I don't know if that was the Ramsey one or the A.J. Boyer one. Not sure which one it was. It was, it was the Boyer one was the really the long Boyer one. one yeah. It was like 40-odd yards. Yeah. I think it's crazy for what it... Basically, good quarterbacks like Brady will say, right, that's one-on-one, my player's got a 90% chance of catching this or drawing a penalty. Yep. There's only a 10% chance of me being picked and we have to go down the field. And he'll put it out there somewhere where it's either reachable for his receiver or not at all. And nine times out of ten, you draw the flag. And its I agree with you. It's, it's a ridiculous thing. That in itself, that particular play was an egregiously bad call. I, I grant that. And there were some that if it had gone against my team, I would have been very disappointed. I can't pretend it's not so. I think it comes more into highlight with the Patriots because they're always in or they're always seen to be in the bigger games and that's where the refereeing comes under more of a spotlight. But yeah, that one was huge. I think it was about 40 yards. In the end, the Jags gave up 98 yards or one whole field's length in yep. penalties. The Patriots gave up 10 yards in one penalty. Potentially, that is the difference. In this well, it is. It's, it's one drive, isn't it? Exactly. And I think, um, you know... The NFL, I just, I think you know, you make that call wrong, yeah, because that's an opinion call. You can't challenge that call. You know, there's no way to challenge it. So, but they could just make it a first down. That's what I'm saying. It's an opinion-based call. So, why is it not just a ten-yard penalty? Why, you know, they can't guarantee the player would have caught the ball if that minimal contact wouldn't have happened. How does that mean you get forty yards? It's very hard to get forty yards in American football. I don't. I just don't get. That. It's one of my pet hates. Actually, I really like watching defensive players uh, make good plays, and I think probably three out of ten pass interference calls are bad calls. It's just accidental collision or two blokes hand fighting trying to get to the ball, and it always goes against the defense, and it drives me up the wall. I think if you limit it to the maximum yardage you can gain is for the first down, which whether it's you know you might be on third and fifteen or you know first and ten, whatever it is, you just get that amount of yardage and you yep. get your first down, um, or just ease up on the calls a little bit. Guys are going to run into each other. I'd, I, that really, I think, is too much. Um, that said, it was very helpful, very much appreciated. <laughs> and, uh, but there's no other way to to take it as a Patriots fan because. 
everyone, I said in our group, I was like, okay, here, here comes the hate. And it, but it's it's not. If you look on social media, it's not just you guys. It's everybody. Everybody goes, yeah. oh, Patriots. Patriots get all the calls. And it used to be the same when we used to watch Man United dominate the Premier League in this country. Man United get twice as many home penalties as everyone else. What they didn't look at was Man United were in the box twice as often as anybody else at home or three times as many crosses into the 18-yard box or whatever. And it's probably the same for the Patriots. I bet it, I, I would imagine anyway that most of the pass interference calls that they get down the field is because Brady attempts more balls over 25 yards down the field than anyone else in Foxborough. So he's going to get more calls and more penalties like that. It just looks bad on the face of it. And it even looks bad to me. I can't pretend it doesn't. And I think I agree with you there. If you look at, in terms of you know, bad luck with the penalties, I think it's exactly as you say with the great sports teams of the last 20, 30 years. They get good luck because they get into those positions. And I think the other thing that you see as well is that teams play to what they perceive as that team's weaknesses. They don't play to their own strengths. And like you said, Gary, with the um, with the defence going soft and not playing hard. And after three quarters, I'd usually go soft as well. But they, it, for me, from what I've seen of the highlights and from what I've heard, the Jags got to a point where they weren't playing to their strength. They were trying to play a different game than what they've been playing all season and being successful with. I think they definitely had a dip, even though they, you know, they led time in possession like thirty-five minutes to twenty-five minutes, but. You know, there was some for me. There was not enough. Like there wasn't a, almost like a no holding calls called all game. Now, this is the team with the most, apart from Steelers, the most sacks in the regular season. They missed missed the top by one. Yeah, um, so they got like fifty three sacks or something ridiculous. And and some of the offensive line holding that was going on to try and keep the Jags out to not draw a single penalty for that. I'm sorry. You know, I was watching that game intently and. I could have called, and and it, the Jags didn't get called for many either. So whatever ref was watching that part of the game didn't seem to want to throw a flag. And I get it's a playoff game, but there seemed to be an aversion to. They that. do tend to be a little more lax on the heavy contact in the postseason every year, and I think probably both sides, but certainly Matt Patricia on the defensive side. Uh, sorry, on the on the offensive side, so Josh McDaniels would have seen that and thought, right, and he would have told him, hold, just hold. We give, if we give up two penalties, we'll stop doing it. But if we don't, it's going to keep Brady on his feet for another second, and that's enough to pick him off, and that's what they did. Yeah, and refs are told so much these days that part of their job is to protect the quarterback. Mm. You know, you've got Brady all over the news going, I've cut my hand, oh, you know, crying. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's the first bit of hate that I've let drip out. Um, and, um, you know, and, and they'd have been, that would have been on their mind. That'd have been on their mind. I don't know. I, I think that's. I don't. I, I don't know whether you can accuse referees of of massive bias like that. I just think you did not see that video of uh, Brady being congratulated by, by his, his teammate number thirty four. <laughs> yes, I did. Straight yeah. away. What yeah. I'm. What I'm Tom. Another another one but, for the team. Uh, as I was going to get to, I think there is a a thing, an aura. That's what they call it around Tom Brady. It's like it's like earlier in the year. Do you remember when he was playing lead blocker for someone and no one tackled him? And you think if if, if that's your team and he's playing against them, you're you're cheering for them to flatten Tom Brady, and they just moved out of his way. He basically played lead blocker and didn't touch anyone, and they picked up twenty yards. But I think you're right. There is an aura. Do you, the guy who's surefire Hall of Famer, five Super Bowl rings. Do you want do you want to be remembered as the guy who ended his season? Do you want to? Be yes. Yeah. Absolutely. In the UK, yeah, but. 
we're not seeing the same level of patriot hate in the US. So... No, okay, that's a fair point. But if it's your possibly one chance to get to the Super Bowl, or your one chance to beat the Patriots in whichever manner it is... I think you're a hero in 31 towns and cities across the US if you take out Tom Brady. I agree. In a, in a, in a manly, legal way, I think that is very popular. Well, yeah, it, it, got, it got to a point on... Cause I, I couldn't follow the game, but I was, was following it on Twitter. And it got to a point where um, I just had to turn it off because I was just so bored of the same point about refs. Um, uh, and yeah, both I, I, I because I couldn't see the game to check it. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the 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 English fans who you know we have, we we have interactions with were so gung ho in it. it. It felt it felt like Man United in the ninety in the nineties. And yeah, um, but I say I wasn't. I couldn't. I, the holding stuff. I because I've only seen highlights. I haven't seen enough of it. So, but uh, they were a lot of people were quite intent on a. I'm putting this out, but um, it's, it's it's gone now. So, well, you know. Uh, so, Bortles, we've got him. Does he have the role for the Jacksonville next year? Because he's he's had three great games or good games when it matters. I mean, you know, he did enough against Buffalo. He did. He had a great game against Pittsburgh, and you know, from what I've seen, he. It probably isn't to blame for the loss against, you know, the best team uh, in the league right now. When it counts, if he's you, not fucked up. If you'd have said to the Jags fans, Blake Balls is going to put up more yards than Tom Brady, he won't throw a pick, he will throw a score, you'll win the turnover battle, and you'll win time of possession, Jags fans would have made any deal to take that, and they still lost. Yeah. The problem cannot solely be on Blake Balls. There is no way. And I would be the first to say it if I thought that it was entirely on him. But you look at this Jacksonville team, and if you're the GM, you're the owner, the rushing... The rushing... Game. The rushing game, thank you, has done very well. Not the rushing game. That's that, roulette that, that, you're that's thinking a diff- of. That's yeah. a completely different podcast we do. So, the rushing game's going really well. The receiving core, it's not outstanding but we get Robinson back next year you get Robinson Robinson Hearns and Keelan Cole builds on what he's done last season I, I don't think that's good enough for receiving call I don't think that no but they it's not good enough for me if I think Bortles will be seen as the issue if it were me I'd keep him because he's done enough you've taken a team that people a, a team that's been known for mediocrity to the championship game that deserves credit but I don't think he's going to be there so I would keep him but I don't think they will and I'm, I don't think same. I don't think they will based on one thing and that is I don't think the coach wants him so based on that purely either Bortles stays and warms the bench and someone more experienced like Smith comes in um, but yeah I don't think he's I don't think he starts next year I think it entirely depends on what happens with free agency if the Jags have got any sense they sit back they watch what plays out in all the other teams and they see who's the odd man out, right? Because we think Patrick Mahomes is going to get Alex Smith's job, but we don't know. We have no idea who the Vikings quarterback's going to be and we get on to that. We think that Carson Wentz is going to be back fit and strong next year for the Eagles, who might have won the Super Bowl, spoiler for the next bit. What happens to Nick Foles? So it depends who comes onto the market. Now, stay with me for a second. If they've got any sense, they wait and see. And if somebody obviously better than... 
Blake Bortles comes along, a la Alex Smith, then they should take him and try and trade Bortles and draft a new person. But if nothing obviously better comes along, they must keep hold of him. There's no point getting rid of him for the sake of Blake Bortles didn't win us the AFC Championship game and they should still draft someone to come in behind him and try to oust him from that role. So Bortles, what is this, like his third year in the NFL? It's his fourth year and they fourth picked year. up his fifth year option. Which so he's like year. 25 or something. Yeah. So he's yeah. 25. I'm not being funny, right? But I get that he has made some mistakes, but compared to some of the other young quarterbacks that came into the league playing in He's no Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, he's, he's not, is he? No. Let's just be a little bit realistic about this. Drew Brees, at the start of his career, would anyone have said he was going to go and do great things? No, when you left the Chargers, no one was sure he was going to do anything. Um, Malin, Eli, first season? Awful. That's what I, all uh, I'm saying Peyton is, Manning, first season. That's what I'm saying. But, so, actually, within four years, he's got to a championship game and into the playoffs and performed. Now, you can go through a record of a load of different quarterbacks that do not have a record that's 2-1 and one in the playoffs. Yeah, oh, well, I don't think you. Alex Smith will be percentage-wise as good as that. So, you know, I just think that coach doesn't want him, and if the coach doesn't want him, he goes. I think he, I think he goes, but unless unless someone better becomes available uh, cheaply, I don't think it's good. I don't know. so much is going to depend on what happens with the Vikings. They have got three starting quarterbacks, none of whom are scheduled to be on their roster next year. And none of them are under con- on contract. Bridgewater, Keenum, and Bradford. So that market suddenly gets a bit flooded. Add in Smith, Tyrod Taylor. Osweiler. Os- Osweiler. <laughs> fucking. And, fuck, and me, you, and fucking. Let, yeah, let, you, almost, you almost went with it, didn't you? Fucking Osweiler. Jesus. Predicted to be quite a quarterback-heavy draft as well. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's four, oh, yeah. they reckon, in the first round. Darnold is the one that they is now looking like he's going to go first, and they reckon he's the franchise quarterback. Like they, that, like they thought. Allen. He... Is it Josh Allen? I've seen him going. I've seen. I saw a prediction yesterday. He go, it's Rosen. Rosen. I've seen. Jo- yeah, I've seen Rosen going first, second, and third. Darnold going first, second, and third. Yeah. It, it it seems to be. They reckon the Browns are taking Darnold. That's what I've seen. Yeah, and I reckon he is going to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I have no doubt that he will be, having seen his college tape, but he is not ready. He is not ready. So that means, who the hell is their starting quarterback next year? We do not want to get into the Browns right now. This, don't just, worry, there are so many in the next few weeks, on, so many review on. podcasts. So, Vikings 7, Eagles 38. Uh, I don't, well, I think we all, some of us had an Eagles win. But I don't think it was by uh, 31 points. Well, it definitely wasn't after uh, I saw Case Keenum drive the Vikings down uh, the field with his first drive and throw a very easy-looking... Uh, it was a completely blown coverage, wasn't it, for ridiculous. Kyle Rudolph? Yeah. Um, so, no, I didn't expect that. Um, and then I fell asleep. So, um, then I caught up with it afterwards. But, yeah, look, I picked the Eagles. And it, we can't forget the Eagles are the number one, one seed yeah. in a very difficult NFC. So, no Carson Wentz, but Foles, well, who was expecting that? So, Nick Foles bettered any performance than Carson Wentz put up this season and had a perfect second half quarterback and passer ratings, which is the best in five years in a second half of any game. Uh, and he has come on a long way since the 4-11 and opening drive, 4-11, sorry, opening drive in week 17 
which included one interception and him effectively being benched for the backup's backup. Uh, and he's playing well above his career completion percentage because in the, in the playoffs at the moment, he's 77% over his two games compared to his 60% career average. Now, seven, players completing 75% of their passes in consecutive postseason games, there is only one other who has managed that, and it is Joe Montana. So just as we have God, put, the God, we have put Bortles in a bracket with Peyton and Big Ben in the other game. We now have to put Nick Foles in a bracket with Joe Montana. The world has gone crazy. <laughs> Three of the four horsemen are here. All we have to see now is Bill Belichick dancing and smiling, and that's all the horsemen. Oh wait, he did. And Be crazily, afraid. <laughs> crazily, three out of the four of us at this table have picked. Um, winners of the Super Bowl that are still involved yeah. so the Farrow brothers obviously went for the Patriots and I went for the Eagles when they had Carson Wentz um, and now I don't feel quite so stupid um, so Jay Ajayi with another good game um, you know 73 yards in tears at the end yeah. um, and London, London, London Jay Ajayi London born tears British born now They've gone away. I don't know whether Neil Reynolds has uh, got hold of the fact that he's being ribbed for the London born, but it's changed to British born now. So, um, yeah, look, you know, no one saw this coming. Not like this. No. I thought. I thought they might just, you know, just sneak it again. Being at home, I think home advantage we forget sometimes. It is massive. You look at teams in regular season. You look at their road record, and you look at their home record. You know, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins away, didn't they, on the road? So yeah, yeah. on the road, anything can happen. Um, at home, most teams have a winning record at home, unless you are in the, you know that that mire at the bottom. You know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of teams win at home, so we can't forget that. You know, you watch it in the playoffs. And you know, I went out to a game when teams at home are doing well and they're in a tight game. The noise is ridiculous. The snap counts are difficult. It just it creates a bit more chaos in the in the away team, doesn't it? And you you have to give that. That must be worth some points, surely. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I would have thought so. I, I'm told it's incredible when that's the when that's the case. Um, for me, I thought it was a sad end to the Viking season. Case Keenum threw a pick six very early on, so after the touchdown drive that he led, I don't think it was actually on him. I think it was just bad play all round. And the guy Robinson, it was who picked it off for the Eagles. He oh. ran about three times as far as he actually needed to to get to the end zone. Super. And he was calling out blockers. On his way down the field, zigzagging the along. The for him was outstanding, to be fair. It, it was amazing. Now, uh, that, that was only Keenum's uh, eighth interception all season, seven in the regular season, and that one. And also, he'd only lost one fumble all year, and he then got strip-sacked in the game. So, basically, all his bad days came at once, and I don't think it's a good reflection or a fair reflection on him. I don't think he actually did anything wrong because the whole Vikings team failed to step up. Now, I've heard and seen some people saying, right, this proves Case Keenum's not good enough. But what happened to the Vikings' defence? Yeah. Because if he wasn't good enough, there's 11 players on the other side of the ball there who also shouldn't have jobs next year, if that's your reasoning. So it was just a bad day. The Vikings just had their worst day of the season. Well, that happens. I think um, football. I think, look, you know, let's put it in perspective. We talked about this last week. If that tackle wasn't missed, the Vikings would not have played in that game. They did not play that well the, the week before, did they? When they, when they no, played the no, Saints, no. they didn't really. They well, won they it. A, they had a good half. They won it, you know, but they uh, didn't crap deserve... Crap half and one good play. Didn't well, deserve lucky to win play. It. Like the Tetons with that Mariota play. That didn't make them a better team. You know, they went to New England, they got dicked because they were a terrible team. Yeah? The Vikings were not that good. I, I just... 
I don't know. They they had a strong season in a division where other, some other teams got pretty beaten up with injuries and stuff. Things get masked in the regular season sometimes, and then you you get into the pressure pot that is the playoffs, and it, it can change. And I think you know they had all this hype about playing the first Super Bowl at home. You know the the Minnesota miracle, and I just think they believed it a little bit too much. And actually went there. First play went great. Everyone was unky dory, happy days, and then oh no, you are playing the Eagles. They destroyed the Saints' offense last week, so it was a little bit premature. I think people were getting a little bit excited. Yeah, I don't disagree with you because the scoreline says something went horrendously wrong. But I don't think anybody, anybody, not them or anyone else, believed that Nick Foles was going to have a perfect second half quarterback rating and throw. 352 yards and three touchdowns and no picks and basically look like Tom Brady and Joe Montana. Nobody thought he was going to do that. So, like, fair enough. The Vikings had their worst day and Nick Foles had his best day all on the same day. That's just the perfect storm. It just caught the Vikings out completely. I watched most of the game. I I did about 10 minutes into the second half. I thought, this is all over and I went to bed. And I have watched the highlights since. And basically, bar the first... Three minutes, the Vikings did nothing. Not one player stepped up on that team. So they just had a terrible day. I think they look a bit done. Their offensive line shattered. It's, it's just done. The the cornerback, uh, Xavier Rhodes, was clearly struggling. Sanjero, the safety, he went off. They've both been outstanding all season. They just didn't have the players left to go any further. Well, they lost um, Sandeo last week around half-time, yeah. and that's when it all went bad for them he, I he's think, hugely important for them I think the other thing that you've, you've got to look at and, and it causes a question for the Super Bowl a little bit is I think the Eagles rush defence is out of this world you know so if you look at is it Murray and McKinnon uh, the Vikings they've ripped a lot of teams to shreds yeah Kamara Ingram they tried to do the same and that Eagles front line their defensive front line is superb 70 yards in a playoff game, they held the Vikings to 70 yards rushing. That puts a hell of a lot of pressure on Keenum. You know, I know he's chasing the game, but that puts a lot of pressure. If he can't even get the chains moving with the run, that puts a lot of pressure on. And I, my, my concern for the Super Bowl for the Eagles is that Brady isn't bothered about the rushing game. He's quite happy to pass to his receive his, his backs. He's he's quite happy to pass the ball on every down. You know, and yeah. I think you, you look at Jarrett McKinnon had eleven receptions for eighty six yards. Imagine if you can get eleven receptions to James White and Dion Lewis. Yep. that's enough to lose the Super Bowl. We'll get on to it in a minute, but I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that the Eagles' pass defense is good enough. Well, I don't think it stands up to what their rush defense is, uh, and that might not be ideal for them, but. That said, <sighs> their highest paid player is uh, like a, a lineman, isn't it? Defensive lineman. Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox yeah. is their highest paid player in the yeah, whole he, franchise. He should be. He's three men. He's just he's just a phenomenon of a human being. I mean, that said, I, I actually think there's lots of reasons why the Eagles should be more confident than perhaps on, on paper it might look. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. But this has... Uh, it's, it's certainly shaken things up a little bit because I'm not sure anybody apart from Gary and Eagles fans thought that the Eagles were going to get to the Super Bowl. I would imagine that when Belichick was making a list of teams to prepare for that it probably said Vikings, Saints, 
Eagles in that order. And it does make you wonder whether they've got a couple of days less preparation into because the Patriots prepare weeks in advance for what's coming up. And it just makes you wonder whether there's been a little bit less preparation. I don't know, but maybe. I think for me with this game, it was more a case of bad Vikings than good Eagles. So, have a look at the third down stats. So, the Vikings allowed teams to convert only 25.2% of their third down attempts in the regular season. That's not just the best figure in the NFL. That's the best mark of any team since it expanded to 32 teams in 2002. Yeah. So, the Eagles on third down were got to third down 14 times. Out of? They, no, they had 14. Oh, sorry. They had, oh, they actually made times. it. Right, okay, right, sorry. They converted 10 of them. So that's 71.4%. And I think losing Xavier Rhodes, Sendejo, that's... I see this... I think the Patriots will crush the Eagles. Oh, are we getting to that point where we have to start making a prediction? Cause, but cause I, I, think, I, I, think, I think you're being a bit harsh, right? So Nick Foles, right, had four players with over 50 receiving yards. Now, good Eagles... A good, good Vikings, bad Vikings. He has to make those throws. You can, you know, you can say that all the time. But twenty six out of thirty three, you just can't say that. You know, the you can't Eagles, you can't label it like that. The That's Eagles O line was phenomenal, and the Vikings D line had basically run out of gas. I think is what it is. The the, the O line still has to make not, the play. Yeah, yeah. But it? what I mean is, he's not like Carson Wentz who runs around and then makes a play. Nick Foles stands in the pocket. He plays like Tom Brady. He stands in the pocket. And just hopes that he has long enough to get the ball out. And he did. And do you know what? The Patriots' pass rush is not as good as the Vikings' pass rush. So he will get time to throw the ball. If you look at some of the other things as well. And, you know, I had a little bit of a criticism against Bortles for not using tight ends effectively. The Eagles really use tight ends effectively. Oh, Zach Ertz is awesome. Yeah, but that's a different tight end. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis is about as slow as you, Paul. I don't know. I am pretty like slow. honestly, they should start calling him like Fiat Lewis Are or you something. Slow in terms of honestly, Fiat Lewis. Let's not <laughs> let's not let that one go. That was really good. Let's, you know let's, I mean? that, that was fantastic. Well, yeah. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> you go, Lewis. <laughs> you go. Oh my God! There might be one person listening to this podcast who's ever heard of a Yugo, and that's because he lives in Yugoslavia. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, you can't compare. You cannot compare. It's not first. fair to compare those two. Lewis is a blocking tight end. As well, like, you know... Compare... I'm ratting you out a lot tonight, Farrow, but it's just, you can't say shit like that. Com- you, compare, you can't compare the, the, the two, because, yeah, Bortles has Marquise Lee and uh, uh, his receivers, you know, whereas... He doesn't have Jeffrey. Foles has Alshon Jeffrey, who I just, I've loved this year. You know, super- before this season started, Alshon Jeffrey tweeted... We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Now, at, no, the time, to lose. at the time, he was part of the Bears, <laughs> but he never said the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. He said we are going to win the Super Bowl. Let's he then moved to the Eagles and look where he's got to. So, so look, look at the names that he's thrown to: Ertz, Jeffrey, Tory Smith. Tory Smith is a yeah. great player. Aguilar. Well, I'm sorry. Those of you that tell me that the Jaguars. Um, receiving court is passable. You're just talking absolute bollocks. Walk onto that. The He'd be the number one receiver. Yeah, he he wouldn't have been until this year, but yeah, he he would be now. Yeah. And I think that that's a good point. All right, they've had a great season. They've played really well. But when you were drafting your fantasy team, 
before the regular season, would you have picked any of that receiving core? Ertz. I, I and Jeffrey. I picked Jeffrey. I wouldn't have picked Ertz. Ertz, for a couple of years, has been... Uh, well, he's been inconsistent. This year, he's been consistent. I think it's the first year he's, I've, no, I've seen him, fantasy-wise, been consistent. But, um, yeah, he, he's one of the guys that you stream... If you, if you, if you, if I think what Fourth and Inches was going to get at was that Hearns and Robinson would have gone a lot higher up than a lot of the Eagles players because they had been picking up garbage time yardage in the last couple of years. So I think that's fair. I, I would imagine at least one of them went before most of the Eagles receivers. I would guess that Jeffrey and Smith at least have better career stats than anybody that plays for the Jags. I don't know Tory Smith's stats at all. Uh, he's one of those players that doesn't get very much recognition. Well, here you go. Like, Mercedes Lewis, or would you have Brent Shellick or Trey Burton? Because they've both put up decent numbers as well when being called upon this year as well. So Yeah, they've done very well. So, and they're blocking tight ends. Yeah. Most, most teams have got one blocking and one receiving tight end. It just happens that the Jags don't really have that. They just have Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, the Jags have um, Fournette as well. But, like, the Eagles... You know they can they just able to spread it. They've got Ajayi, Blunt, you know Corey Clement. They, 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 you know they have options which the Jags don't have. If if Fournette isn't working, which he wasn't doing in the second half, you but, know. But Fournette almost never performs well in the second half. Now I'm a massive Fournette fan, but very rarely does he have either the stamina or you know yeah, his conditioning clear. It's he has a problem in the second half. Fournette he does not perform the same. So, oh, I, I agree with you. It's conditioning. I think maybe next season he'll be better. They'll, they'll work on that. Um, I, while we're on the point of the Jags receivers again, I meant to say last time, another good reason to keep Bortles, if you want good reasons to keep him, is that that way you can not spend a load of money in free agency and instead spend that on strengthening the receiving core, yeah. which would help to make Bortles better. And then, down the line, you get somebody else in to throw to those better players. That... <laughs> That is, I, I mean, that that would be one way of approaching it. They, you know, it's just the Jags have been crap for ten years. Just cause, you know, just because you have one good year, why change it all around uh, offensively for someone? Who, I don't know. I just do it. And should we have um, uh, a, a, mo- uh, a moments to pause for uh, Millie Millie Wall, the ninety-nine-year-old uh, the Vikings Vikings fan who will not get to see her Vikings. In the, uh, in the in the Super Bowl, in although, Minnesota, yeah. but um, <laughs> they don't want to see the video of the Eagles fans shouting "fuck Millie." <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no, poor, poor, poor Millie. I'm not Wall. sure many of them would, but yeah, she will get to see um, the Patriots and the uh, the, the Eagles because she they did um, the NFL did give her a ticket for the so, Super Bowl. So the Eagles have been installed as 5.5-point underdogs for the Super Bowl, which is the biggest underdog since the Cardinals played the Steelers in the 08-09 year. Do you think that's a little bit uh, offensive towards how a number one seed that had as many wins as the Patriots, I think? I, I don't think it's offensive because we predicted with Vence... Going out injured, the team was going to struggle. With who? Yeah, Carl, Carsten Wentz. Vents. <laughs> we said they were going to struggle. 
So I think there's still this kind of overarching fear from everyone that Nick Foles is going to be Nick Foles. Are we going to get bad Nick back is what we want to know. Yeah. Because he can be one week to the next good Nick and bad Nick. He's had seasons like that. 2013, great Nick. 2014, 2015, awful Nick. 2016 as a backup at the Chiefs, actually did all right. And then this year he's come in and he's done all right. But everybody's waiting for the bad Nick. Did anyone get a kick out of... um Keenum and Foles this weekend being two uh, former Jeff Fisher yeah, uh, it was uh, thing, and being number seven and nine. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yep, seven and nine. That just sums him up. Yeah. I didn't see Jeff Fisher being interviewed by anyone. I'm sure no he's going sure to claim uh, responsibility for I, the Do you know what? I wouldn't have Jeff Fisher on this show. <laughs> I would. It'd be hilarious. I fucking wouldn't. Um, I, I, all, I, f- all five of us sat there with beautiful moustaches yeah. in honour. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think it's a, a fair... A fair Sort of spread. You think that's a fair? I think thing, that is yeah. fair because if you think um, the the Jags were nine point underdogs, weren't they? And then they went down to seven and a half points when Brady hurt his hand. Um, so you know they've given them almost half that to reflect the fact they were number one seeds rather than a number three seed. Um, neither team are at home, so the Eagles lose that home advantage. And you know we all saw Foles in the in the first drive of the of the playoffs, so there is a concern that. You know, away from home, that causes more of a problem. Could he revert back to that? So, I think that's fair. I don't think you can say anything other than the Patriots are favourites because they've won five Super Bowls. So, I think that's pretty realistic. I think they're saying it's going to be within one score. It will probably be a reasonably tight game. I would have thought myself. Um, well, we won't do predictions now because we're here next week, and uh, we'll do our predictions then. Because uh, it may, you know, things might happen, injuries, exactly. etc. You right. know, we've still got the Couple question of, of whether Gronk is going to be there. Cause yeah, firstly, does Gronk make it? Concussion protocol. Yeah, he's got two weeks. I, I'd have I said think he absolutely. should be there, but yeah. he didn't. He didn't go Sparco. He hasn't got a history of concussions, and he's got two weeks. So I think he's Did, safe. didn't somebody uh, tweet out how do you test Rob Gronkowski for a concussion? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I assume you swing a chair at him, and if he tries to take it off you and hits you with it, he's all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how else you would know. Um, who's going to be quarterbacking the Vikings next year? Teddy. Teddy. Not Teddy. Not Teddy. I don't, I don't think that. Bearing in mind, as soon as Bradford was fit. They jumped him over Bridgewater on the depth chart. I think that maybe he's not as quickly recovered as they hoped. And I think either Keenum or Bradford is still there next year. And then they fight it out. I think I think Bridgewater is there. And I think, I think if fit, he is the number one there. Do you know, he's got six months now. Do you know who Bridgewater was most closely associated with? Pat Shermer, who yeah. is not going to be there. Yeah. So, I do wonder. I mean, also, he's the youngest one of the three and therefore probably worth the most in trade. Bradford's worth nothing in trade, really. And anyway, he doesn't have a contract. But what I mean is they could sign Bridgewater to a two-year deal and then trade him straight away. You can't do that with Bradford. No one will take him like that. Um, and it's the same with Keenum. Like, he, he, Keenum is going to test free agency and somebody is probably going to make him a star. But Bridgewater, I'm not sure. Yeah, there was lots of talks that um, that Keenan would go with Schumer to um, the Cardinals. Obviously, but obviously, he's now not gone to the Cardinals. He's yeah. now predicted to go to the Giants. I know we're coming on to that in a second. But I, I think that puts Keenum's future under more pressure than Bridgewater's. 
Bridgewater was quite an early pick in the draft. I can't remember where he was. First picked, round, I think. But he was a first round pick. So that's investment. Um, I think they give Bridgewater a season. Whether they start him, I, I can't guarantee you. I think they will try. If you look at the fan reaction as well, I think that is somebody they've they've drafted to build a franchise around. They need to see how injured he is. Yeah, a bit like RG3. The Redskins didn't just write him off. Yeah, they brought him back. Once they realised his knee was gone, they got rid of him. And I think they will want to do at least do the same with Bridgewater. I think their ideal is to keep Keenum and Bridgewater. I, I think I, that's their ideal. Yeah, possibly. that's what I would do. Do you know, but, the thing is, though, the biggest criticism of Bridgewater, bearing in mind he was only, what, two years into his career, the biggest criticism was they were always short passes. They were a three- and four-yard pass, and they didn't launch it down the field. And I can't imagine a guy who's running from what he's recovering from is suddenly going to be throwing bombs with the full force of his body through his legs down the field. And if he goes back to playing like he did before, it's not what the team wanted. They wanted him to start opening up. He might have been working out massively on upper body for the last six to nine months. For all and you he know. should have been because he, he, he wasn't, he, he he wasn't a big guy. Absolutely was massive. So yeah, maybe. I, I, think, I think if you invest that much in a young player... You don't write him off to go and see him win a Super Bowl somewhere else. That's just my feeling. I don't know if that will be the case, but that's just that's my feeling. It's just a tricky situation because they've got three starters. It would be like yeah. having a 40-year-old quarterback and giving away your future for a fourth-round pick. No, Nobody would do it in their Was in it their not right a second-round pick? Did we not get a second and a fifth or second was and a fourth? Second, was it a second? Yeah, I think it was a second. It was a first-round pick to anybody in the AFC, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically. second-round pick to us. Yeah. Um, no, agreed. Although, you know, if he keeps... Jay was the fourth-round pick. He keeps playing the way he's playing. What's to stop him playing until 50? <laughs> Honestly, though, seriously. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, an interesting thought because what happens with the quarterbacks at the Vikings dictates a lot of what happens in free agency. If they don't keep Bridgewater, where does he go? I don't know the Browns, and I don't think he's going to go to another team and win the, the Super Bowl. The Giants with Pat Shermer, just saying. Every mock draft has the Giants taking a quarterback who ends up replacing Eli halfway through next season, and there's no guarantee that players coming out of the draft are going to be any good. But there's no guarantee that Bridgewater's going to be repaired and no. good. So, so what I'm saying is, you could do both: take Bridgewater yeah. and draft. I, I don't know. It depends how much Pat Shermer wants him. I just I don't see him being there. There's, they've got. If I were in charge, I'd be keeping Keenum. He's done everything to keep his job there. Yeah, I'd keep. I'd do what Gilo said. Keep Keenum and Bridgewater. So we all agree that Bradford goes though. Yes, I think Bradford goes. He'll get a one-year deal somewhere. Yeah. Maybe the Browns if they draft Donald. Donald won't start. I don't think. Or the yeah. Jets, if McCowan decides not to come back. Somewhere like that. That's where he's going to end up. The Bills, if they decide Peterman needs another year, but they don't want to keep Cardinals. Taylor. Possibly the Cardinals. Yeah. But wherever he goes, they've got to be prepared to throw the backup in because he doesn't last a season. Cool. Um, well, couple, of, couple of things about the Patriots then, because they're going to the Super Bowl again. Last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls was? Patriots, 2003 and four, three and 4. 3-4 or 4-5, and five, whichever way around it works. Um, and the team they beat to win the second was? The Eagles. The Eagles. 21-24. Did they not go um, AFC West, AFC North, AFC, uh, NFC West, NFC South, then the Eagles, and then it was, it's, yeah, it's exactly just, the same they just jumped around. Yeah, basically. I mean, wasn't this an Eagles team that had a... Much maligned quarterback in place. Uh, was but, it? But for Sanchez, wasn't it? No, no. 
No, but Fumble Sanchez was many, many years further on. He played for the Eagles after he played the Jets, and he played with the Jets till 2012, 13, something like that. Had, uh, was it not Donovan McNabb at the time? We'll just get it up. I will guess. Um, I, I won't pretend I watched it, but I, I've, I've watched the highlights, and it was a, it was a nail-biter, a three-point win. Um, also, 12 of the last 13 Super Bowl winners have worn white, and the Patriots have chosen to wear white. So, they're obviously sticking with that tradition. Um, I say, John wants to wait till next week to pick a winner. I will be surprised if more than one person at this table doesn't pick the Patriots. That would be a surprise for me. Right then, let's move on, John. Yeah, uh, so... It was McNabb. It was McNabb. And, and he wasn't a much maligned quarterback. He was a good quarterback. John, do you want to do this week's da, 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 pick six? Pick six. So, this week... Um, <coughs> well, we must yeah. make actual music for this. Rather than me going... Da, da, da. I'll, 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 I'll create some uh, more chip core for, uh, for this. Um, so, this week's pick six was... Our most impressive teams of this season. So, the teams that... Uh, sort of underrated, I guess, or underrated at the start. Or Maybe we didn't see it coming, was yeah. was what I was thinking of this. So, or just generally impressive. More or less everybody had the same place to start from. So, number one, most impressive team of the year, the Jags. It just was. I think almost all of us, if not all of us, picked the Jags. I don't know how you could pick anyone else. AFC Championship runner-up, as we've just discussed. They finished last in the AFC South for just forever. Uh, and this was their first winning season since 2007. They, all right, they could have got to the Super Bowl, but really, they couldn't have done any more this year. That's, like you say, could be down to refing, bad calling, not having quite the right pieces in place, whatever you want to call it, but that's an outstanding season by anybody's view. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, uh, I, I think we were all fairly confident with that. Um, number two, when I totaled it up, was the Eagles. I don't know why I missed them off. I've just looked back through my list and I just missed them <laughs> off. So, no wonder the Chiefs managed to sneak in there. So you didn't put your pick for the Super Bowl winners as the one of the most impressive teams? No, because I knew they'd do it. <laughs> now, we actually had a, a tie for two and three between the Eagles and the Vikings. We had the same number of votes. Um, so I chose to put the Eagles at two because they've made the Super Bowl over the Vikings. So I thought it was only fair. Yep. Um, but they lost their starting quarterback. Their number one special teamer, which is Darren Sproles, and still made the Super Bowl after all that uh, with a new coach. So that's an outstanding performance as far as I'm concerned. And for the Vikings, who are a close second, but technically number three, again, they're on effectively their third quarterback, although, you know, he's been brilliant. Um, They had, by some measure, the best defense of the year. Uh, They lost their number one running back. and they've made it all the way to the championship game, which, yeah, okay, they had some luck with other teams like Green Bay not being able to perform in their in their uh, division. But, wow, I, but I, I can't see they again. Had, they had an opening and they took it. Absolutely. Yep. You've had, had nights great, out like that, haven't you? They had a great season. That's what yeah, you, they had a yeah. great season. And they, ch- they changed as well because suddenly Phelan uh, and Diggs were, they, they were, they were scoring touchdowns, which they hadn't done. Uh, last couple of years yeah and Jarrett McKinnon really stepped up when Dalvin Cook got injured yeah. and interesting that we've seen he basically is asked to leave because he well, knows Dalvin Cook's going to come back come, in and take yeah. his spot there will be so many people want Jarrett McKinnon oh, yes. gotcha. uh, if I was the Seahawks 
I would be on the phone to Jarrett McKinnon's agent right now and saying, you know, we can't win games because we haven't got a running back. And we, we would like someone to take some of the pressure off Russell Wilson. I would be on that phone. Yeah. Right. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and maybe the Packers as well. Um, in at four, da, this da, was, da, 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 da. <laughs> this was, I think, uh, maybe a bit of a heart overhead pick, but we all, more or less, everybody picked them. The Jets. I do not agree with this pick at all. Well, that's fine. At all. I did not pick them, definitely. I want to make this clear on record. I think because it was, when it was worded to us, it was underrated. And we all thought that they were going to Lose 16 games. They were going to be sh- crap. I thought they would be crap. But at the end of the day, they did win five games. And they went off the boil very early in the season. We can't forget that. They won like four out of the first six. And then were terrible. So... I just, I, I know you've put it in there, and I know a lot of people have picked it, but I think that does come from the fact that this podcast <laughs> described them as the dog shit Jets, and they weren't that bad, and especially at the start of the season, they were, they performed far better than they should, and they performed for their coach, and it was a, it was a good thing to watch, but uh, yeah, I don't agree with it. I'm well, just putting it out there. I, I would justify it by saying... I'm, I'm going to say that this is a guy who forgot to put Philadelphia yeah. in his pick six. <laughs> I, I would justify it by saying... Uh, I was impressed by the Jets winning any games and I was impressed impressed by how well, even in defeat, they played for a man they clearly want to keep as coach. That qualifies as impressive to me. Uh, number five, a lot less contentious, most people pick this, the Rams. Uh, they won four games last year and sacked their coach before the end of the season. Uh, and this year, uh, 11-5 under a new coach. They led the league in offence. Uh, it was a complete turnaround. Brilliant. All right, they got to the playoffs and they didn't have the experience in the tank to keep going. But man, I would not want to be playing them next year. They are going to be excellent. So They're fun to watch. Yeah, they are. Um, and, and and finally, uh, for the pick six, number six, the Saints. And most of us picked the Saints. Not everybody, but most of us picked the Saints. Uh, eight straight wins after losing the first two games and a very narrow loss last week in the divisional games. Uh, I think it's fair to say they've turned the defence round, and again, like the Rams, I would not want to be playing against the Saints next year. You've got to think they're going to be making another run at the postseason next year, even in the really good division that they're in. It's shameful hearing what we've said on this podcast in the week two review. Week two, when we said that, uh, that Sean Payton had got to go. Absolutely, he had to go immediately, yeah. No, I think the fun couple of us said, given the season. I didn't, I said he'd got to go immediately. Nah, uh, well, yes, you did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll own it, and you apologised for that last week. I did. I, I like to have an opinion. I think it makes life more interesting. Some people do not believe that. Um, there were a couple of outside picks for impressive teams. So for the extra point, I'll give you the Falcons for their bounce back from the playoff hangover. Yeah. I thought that was a valid point. The Forty ers for sticking with what they believed, getting a slightly they, good end of a they, trade. I think they changed. Uh, but, but hold on. But it hold was on. an impressive ending to the yeah. season. There is no doubt. So I think, um, what I mean by that, when I put that in there, and yes, bias, I'm a 49ers fan, but, you know, I gave Shanahan a bit of a hard time to start with. Um, I was impressed with Lynch to start with straight away. I thought, you know, as a GM, doing really well. And they got rid of some big players in that dressing room. And they were prepared to do what they needed to do to implement the culture and the way they wanted to play. So, at the end of the day, 
and that did lead to results. And yes, they had to get rid of Brian Hoyer. They finally listened to me, yeah, after like week eight or whatever, and decided he yeah. was useless. So well done. But um, you know, hello Brian. Um, but I, I thought that was impressive, and, and they lost a lot of games by not many points, and then they won, you know, some games towards the end of the season to make it respectable. So you, I think that was an impressive first season coming back from where they were the year before for, for Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, they were toilet. Uh, they've been toilet for quite a while. But yeah, I, I think next year the, I, I'm going to yeah, we'll be looking out for the 49ers. I think they're to, to conclude the extra point, the Chiefs and Titans were the other two teams that received a vote. Okay, both got to the playoffs. Uh, Chiefs had a very impressive start and end to the regular season with a blip in the middle. And the Titans deserve some credit for getting into the playoffs. You can't. All right, fair enough. If you given them that at the start of the season, that's good. I was, I think, the only person here who said that they would get there. So I didn't have them down as being impressive because I expected them to get there. But I can understand why they were picked. So that was this week's pick six. Cool. We've got uh, we've got um, some more to go because uh, we've got also players. So oh, we've got several. We, we've got lots and lots of pick sixes because there's going to be nothing to talk about. You know. Well, next week we'll, we, we'll go through our, uh, our the players that have impressed us and let us down this year. I think because we're yeah we've, we've got we've got we've got something to talk about once we predict the Super yeah, Bowl. None of us will be watching the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I, I assume nobody here is just going to pick Nate Peterman for that one terrible performance. You can't just say he was the worst player, right? Because you got to start like a minimum of well, five it games. It wasn't on my list. No, he, no, uh, he wasn't overrated because uh, no I one rated him. No one rated him. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you want to talk about coaching? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a few uh, coaching changes to get through. Um, I believe Steve Wilkes, who was the Panthers' defensive coordinator, has been confirmed as their new head coach of the Cardinals, taking over from Bruce Arians, who retired. Uh, I won't pretend to know a lot about him, but, you know, we've said good things about the, the Panthers' defense, so if they can strengthen that, I don't know who they're going to get in at quarterback yet. I think it's a, a difficult job they've got parts of a team but there are some big holes so yep. Fitzgerald staying would fix that but who's going to throw the ball to him uh, I think that's a tricky job um, Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer is now in place it's at the Giants confirmed, yeah. been confirmed so okay I have no problem with that pick I think that's you know, that seems a good thing to do you want to start getting the ball down the field again yeah. so if he can get great performances out of Case Keenum and Sam Bradford, then there's something to work with for Eli and whoever the next quarterback he's, is. He's well rated, apparently, by the people who've worked with him. Uh, he previously was a coach, uh, head coach at the Browns. Um, and well, that's not a fair thing to anyone to no. have on their CV, is it, really? No, but you've got but to start somewhere. They, they, Bill Belichick was a head coach at the Browns. Don't forget that. that. You've got to remember that. And I think um, the two that are more interesting is Patricia to the Lions, you know, looking pretty probable, and McDaniel's to the Colts. Both coordinators going from that was their That's last their last game at Fox. Did you see yeah. Bill Belichick hugging Matt Patricia? Yeah, and that looked like two guys who really like the way they work together, and they know it's over. Uh, so you know, I'm not so sure McDaniel's is such a big thing because he's gone before, and we've been fine without him. But I think Matt Patricia going is a big hit. I think he won you that game. I agree. Yeah. Um, one that's not on your guys' list because I couldn't remember the guy's name. Uh, Mike Rabel, who's he's been confirmed. Been confirmed at the Titans. Titans yeah. Do you know uh, when we beat the Eagles in Super Bowl Thirty Nine, he scored one of the touchdowns for the Patriots. 
Just saying. So <laughs> he's back on the scene. He's come from the Texans, I think. Yeah, um, the Texans defensive yeah. coordinator. So, okay, I think that's good for the Titans if they can have a defensive-minded coach and he brings in a, a good set of offensive staff who can reset Mariota. But if they can build a defense a bit like the Jags have, then I think Mariota outperforms what Blake Balls has done. <laughs> Just why not get that in there one more time? Uh, whilst we're here, uh, did anyone see, anyone see the rumours about Jack Del Rio? No. Yeah, it's strongly rumoured about him coming in as the defensive coach at the Giants. Oh, really? Wow. So, well, he's been a coordinator many yeah. times before. Um, I, I don't. I think he was a bit unlucky to lose his job. Uh, the t- the whole team played badly, but I don't think it was on him. Uh, players got injured, and nothing just nothing went to plan this year. What did they win? Six games in the end, Oakland. Do you know they had like seven or eight players go to the Pro Bowl on a six-win team? Wow, shocking! But democracy doesn't work. <laughs> that's me. That's me done. I I've got yeah. nothing else uh, because I want to save some stuff for next week because there'll be nothing else to talk about bar the Pro Bowl, which. You know, the skills thing will be great because it was good last year, but the Pro Bowl will be shit because it's shit. Yeah. Paul, uh, you got any Cleveland frowns? I was doing some research this week. Really? Uh, I do it now and again. And I got a bit annoyed. Do they have a lot of NFL on Pornhub? You'll be surprised how many people you see getting smashed. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any offensive tackles on there? Tight ends? I doubt there's many tight ends on there. There's lots of tight ends getting dominated. Anyway, um, well, I've been doing some research and I was doing my usual thing of trying to, you know, find stats and, you know, I'm trying to become more stato on this. So I was going through a page and it brought up a link for me. And I, I may, maybe this is because I'm not American and I don't understand. But you can get merchandise for the Patriots being the AFC champions. That's interesting, isn't it? I'll take two of whatever it is. So, if they get to the Super Bowl and lose, do you still want to wear that AFC Championship? No, you do not. And that is why Bill Belichick passes the AFC Championship trophy down the line like it's a bucket of shit. Absolutely. So, I thought I'll just have a look at some of this merchandise. So, on the first page of this of this store... There were 16 items, all with AFC champions, New England Patriots, including such things as a lanyard, shot glasses, beer holders, which is great. But if, let's say, Man United get to the FA Cup final, okay, would I be wearing my Man United FA Cup finalist shirt if they lost? No, you wouldn't. But this is this is even more compact than this because there's two weeks. So, so there's next week and then the week after that, bang, Super Bowl, right? So unless the AFC and NFC Championship merchandise is practically free, fuck, would you money on something you can only use for two weeks? Unless you're going to nail it up in your doghouse, maybe keep it up on the wall to look pretty, why else would you have it? So you wouldn't spend $15 on a mug? I think... Um, no. You know, people do rate the, you know, the AFC... Championships and the NFC Championships as an achievement. Same as when you go to ice hockey or or NBA games out in, in America, they all have these great big massive banners hanging from from the ceilings, and it, and it shows all of their different championships. And you know, they're still an achievement. You know, you can't forget that. And and people are you know proud. They do. You know, the AFC and NFC only merged like you know 
1970. In the 70s. That's what, that's, you've got to remember that. So people do care. In the US, people care. But I just don't understand, Maybe, like I say, maybe it's just because I'm not an American and I don't get it. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think um, because they were two separate competitions, there were two champions. And now there is only one. This is just two semi-finals to determine who gets to play in the final. But over there, it, I think it's a bit different. I think a little bit of it is the Belichick culture of it's just another game. On, and, But then last year, after the Super Bowls won, he came out and said, we're six weeks behind everyone else preparing for next year. So I think that is sort of becoming part of, the, I don't know, is zeitgeist the right term? It's like because they play every year, it's becoming less and less important to them unless they win the Super Bowl and it's rubbing off on the rest of us. Uh, maybe it's coming into our culture a little bit. But are you seeing a parade for them winning the championship? I don't know At if the they do one the or game, not. It goes a bit crazy, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it goes a bit crazy. Yeah, I understand that because you're going to the Super Bowl. I don't know, the Browns had a parade for... Uh, losing a game, yeah, <laughs> losing Turning sixteen off. games. Yeah, um, I, no, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if there is a parade. There's a banner. I'm sure there's banners. I think Gary's absolutely right, um, and it is an achievement. But I think your point is valid. I don't know how they can sell expensive merchandise when really it's only valid for a couple of weeks because it costs about fifty p a shirt to make. So if they sell hundred of them, they've made a load of money, and that's how business works. So. Get on with it and stop being such a pussy. Oh, well, I get it. I just, I, I wouldn't, if, if you lose, and you spent $40 on a... And you're a man who knows a lot about spending money on worthless shirts. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. You wait till we come on to my most overrated players' picks. It is a beautiful shirt in a frame on the wall. That's a different shirt. That's not, oh, the, sh- that's not the shirt. Oh, no, it was a black one. It was a colour rush that one. That is a signed Novaro Bowman shirt that is framed beautifully up in... Up in what happened to the colour rush one? Did you just throw it in the bin? No, I still wear it. It's a lovely shirt. I put some post-it notes over the back the of it. on it last week. <laughs> in it or with it? It's just got a load of, got a load of post-it notes on the back. <laughs> and I've just byroed some new names on the back. So, I was looking at this and I was just, I just felt a bit disgusted. So, in terms of me... Pornhub again. Yeah, that as well. I mean, to be fair, John told me some stuff and it just made me feel sick. But... Uh. In terms of how I felt, I just kind of felt it was kind of like... In terms of me thumbing it in as well... So I was looking at it, it's just kind of like the, ooh, England Patriots is what I'm going to call the section. Really? That's, yeah, that's, the, worst, that's the worst I've done all year. Gary's made the best joke we've had all season and you've really t- done a terrible job with the ooh, England Patriots. While we're here, because uh, we are um, uh, here? UK fans, the, um, the ticket fiasco uh, regarding uh, the NFL statement last week has pissed off a lot of the fans. What ticket fiasco? The fact that uh, their, their, their statement last week about, about um, uh, not uh, not happy, they, the, the Tottenham... All the words, all the words. Come on, John. So all basically, the they've come out, and there's only three games, yep. and they've said that, so because Tottenham is the first year in that stadium, they want to test it out, so they may be future years where that game is made up. So there may be five games in the next one or two years' time. Um, but they've also done the um, season tickets just for the Wembley games and not for the Tottenham games because obviously they're in different stadiums and it messes around with all the seating plans. So that means previous season ticket holders can only renew for the Wembley games. Yeah. The Tottenham, the one at the Tottenham Stadium, White Hart Lane, is going to be a P 
pig to get to and get back out of on a Sunday night. It finishes at, six, say, 10 o'clock. Starts at six. Starts it's the at late six. kickoff. That is going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, and I believe the the tickets go on general sale for those that don't renew the season tickets on the 15th of Feb. Something like that. Is that what you were trying to say, John? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I just got lost. But yeah, uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, UK fans were uh, really annoyed. As well, it comes across as uh, it's money grabbing and well, um, not thought out because you know because it's money grabbing and not thought yeah. out. Yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, if you're trying to if you're trying to build a fan base uh, in this country, then uh, that's the wrong fucking way to do it. Yeah. Well yeah. done, well done, NFL for getting something wrong again. Because yeah, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, anyone got anything else to add for this week or? Uh, no, no, I do not. <laughs> Sorry. But, oh, but I would like that Brian Hoyer number two hoodie that you've got up on the uh, on the Patriots merchandise page. There. AFC champions with Hoyer two on the back, <laughs> only seventy dollars. Can I get that here by by Super Bowl night so I can sit here in it in the doghouse and watch the Super Bowl with everyone? And I did also show Gary. Number 85, Kenny Brick. Kenny is Brick. also available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's enough, boys. I, I don't think I can take I it. I would love Hoyer to Brick in the, uh, in the Super Bowl to win it. That would Could be amazing. Imagine? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Oh, Chase would be just going, well, you know, I did tell you. I'm going to have to put up with so much abuse Gary in two weeks' would, time. It would implode, um, which I kind of want to see now. Uh, a little bit. But yeah, we'll, we'll, at this point we'll take a knee and uh, we'll come back next week with uh, our usual uh, analysis and thought out. There'll be no analysis well, next nothing, week. Nothing analysis. Well, well, predictions, of course, next week. We'll, and of course, we're analysing up, you know, we're going over the season just gone, starting starting that. So yeah, and because uh, I can't remember who I picked for my uh, underrated and overrated players. So I've don't worry, I have the list. Well, I'm worried because, yeah, I think. Especially on the underrated, I've, I've, I've made some clangers. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go through it next week. Uh, but if you've got choices, of course, you know, we're on Twitter at Belichick's World. Uh, get in touch and give us your picks. Um, until then, uh, we'll have a good week and we'll see you next uh, Tuesday evening. But until then, it's goodbye from, uh, from uh, Gilo. Did you just yeah, say see you next Tuesday? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, you yeah, did. did. Okay, just check it. Yeah, goodbye, guys. Uh, goodbye. Ta-ra. See ya.